When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. This week I chat to Ricky Walden. He's won three ranking titles. He's been a very dedicated professional over the years. But in recent times he's had his health problems. He's had a problem uh, with his back. And he talked about that and he talked to me through his career. This is the Snooker Scene Podcast with Ricky Walden. Okay, so Ricky, how did you discover snooker? How did you start? Um, through my dad, to be honest. It was um, He used to get, get me into every sport. A bit of golf, mm. cricket. Darts and then it was snooker, so I was playing all at a young age, mm. like quite steady at all of them, really. But then uh, I seemed to excel and, and love, love snooker from the start, really. Why do you think that was the one that sort of trumped all the others? I'm not sure. I think I think because I sort of maybe like anybody, if you if you've got if that's your strongest sport, then uh, I think you sort of play it more. So that was that was it for me, really. I was I was putting quite a few balls, and my dad loved it as well. So it was something we were doing together, you know. So it's I suppose, uh, I suppose from there really. Mm. I mean, lots of people take up the game when they're young, but most people don't get good. Did you sort of re- realise? Oh, hang on, I, I can actually make breaks. I can play this game. Yeah, I think I was good for like like an eight, nine year old playing on the tables, you know. But looking back, I probably wasn't any better than most people, you know. But from where I was from at the time, there wasn't really many kids playing the game, and obviously your parents always think that you're better than you are. Anyway, yeah. so I got I got back back from my mum and dad and stuff, and. I went from there already, and then when I went into school and stuff, I was I started improving and onto the junior tour and stuff like that, and started improving quickly, really. Yeah, and this would have been, I guess, the early mid '90s, where there was a thriving junior scene in Britain, so you had a lot of tournaments to play, and that's the way to improve, isn't it, to play matches? Yeah, without a doubt. I don't, I don't think that you could have improved without playing in them kind of events. You know, it's like um, Malcolm Thorne was responsible for so much around that time. He was doing so much good for the game with the England internationals and having the mini one days and the junior events twice twice a weekend you know it was brilliant so I was just throwing myself into everything into the Northern Snooker Centre and every Saturday Sunday I'd be be driving somewhere to play them you know and just sort of toughens you up and you, and you start to see some results come through which is, which is also good as well and you'd be playing guys who you wouldn't know at the time obviously but then went on to themselves like yourself become a top player yeah obviously like the top guys like selves and and Murphy and Maguire, all these guys that I've, that I've sort of played Ryan, so many, you know, and it's, it's always it's always good to see that the guys who started with Malcolm and, and playing in them kind of events and the home internationals have, have gone on. It's no coincidence, you know, that they've all gone on to do great things. So it's, I think it was a real good foundation to sort of learn the game, really. Mm. Did you think it could be a career at that point? You'd only be like, still a kid. I mean, did you think actually this is a profession or was it just you were playing for fun yeah it was quite weird really I, 
I always thought I was going to. It sounds strange, but I always thought I was going to be a professional right. snooker player. It was strange for his school, you know. I, I remember getting kicked out of a lesson in school because they, everyone used to stand up and say, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to be a snooker player." And they, they sort of sent me in the corridor because right. they thought I was taking the mic, you know. So yeah, it was always in my mind, and I, and I left school early and stuff like that, and ne- never done my exams. Um, I'm not sure whether you class it as luck or whether you just whether the positive thinking comes into that side mm. of things where you, you were always going to do that. You know, mm. it seems quite high risk, but, but yeah, that was always there was nothing else I wanted to do apart from play snooker, really. So, what was the transition from those junior amateur days to turning pro? Because the system has changed so much, hasn't it, over the years? I think there was like a challenge tour back then that you're on. Yeah, that's right. I got on through challenge tour. I think um, I was sort of late getting on, really, from my crop of players. Really, um, Sean and, and Mark got on pretty pretty quick. Um, and I struggled to adapt really, it took me a few years to come through the challenge tour but I eventually got on through that and then yeah that transition was difficult really because you were going from playing on different conditions that you were comfortable to that to playing on, on slick conditions mm. against much better players mm. and and then all of a sudden it was a shock to the system when you realised you were playing the older guys who were just mm. much better than you, you know, mm. and you couldn't really see it at the time mm. you thought you were better than you were mm. and then you'd play someone like Tony Jones and, you just have you been nuts you couldn't mm. compete with him you know? so it was difficult it was it was a difficult time really and I guess looking back there were some great players who never kicked on to become professionals good friends of mine at the time you know like Craig Taylor and Luke Fisher who were just as good I think Sean and Mark and, and maybe myself and stuff and they never sort of made that transition for whatever reason you know it was difficult because financially you couldn't support yourself you had to put the hours in and, and it was just a difficult transition with for various reasons really I think it's a good point you make about that the older players because obviously in the junior ranks you're playing people of your own age but yeah. suddenly you turn pro and there's people who've been there maybe 30 years and they know every aspect of the game match play stopping you getting in stopping you knocking in long balls and really yeah. tying you up and it's a bit of an apprenticeship I guess learning all that stuff yeah 100% you don't, you, there's no other way you can learn it just like the junior days there's no other way you can learn it unless you throw yourself in and the problem with when you turn pro at that, at that stage and you're playing these guys you ain't really got too much of a chance unless you up your game quickly, you know, because they're tying you in knots. You're playing for financial pressure. You're trying to, you're trying to stay on the tour. And I actually fell off the tour my first year. I didn't win enough games, and, and they give me a concession on, you know, lucky, luckily enough. Um, and that gave me a second bite of the cherry, and I sort of, I sort of took that chance really. But yeah, the older guys just, just so knowledgeable with the safety play and, and even scoring really. You, you don't think they can score, but, but at the time they were, they were scoring way better than I was. And also, I think there's a natural sort of inclination for some of the young players who've had success as a junior you sort of think oh I'm better than all those you know because you're used to winning and you're used to you think I'm going to you know get the, these old guys I'm going to roll them over and it doesn't work like that no it? not at all I think that's a good point it, it's um, I was coming into the game expecting just to mm. just to tear up the tour really in my own mind I'm not sure other people were thinking <laughs> that but I was definitely thinking that and it just didn't work that way you know I was just miles off the pace compared to the other guys and the reason they've been on the tour for so long is because they're great players there's no question so it's, yeah it was a tough, tough couple of years to, to sort of make that transition really and so when did you feel that it was starting to turn around did you just sort of suddenly start to get you know, results yeah I think one of the earliest memories that I can remember I played at a couple of venues but then I played I played Tony Drago in the British I think mm. and I sort of got beat in the game but I I enjoyed the match table for the first time really and I started to play well and I made a few breaks and I was unlucky not to not to go into a decider I think and then afterwards he just gave me some advice really he just said like listen don't I've read 
I read in that there was like an article or something saying like what are your ambitions and my ambition was to stay on the tour and he said listen you need to change that it's not about that he said you know, I think the way you've played there you're good enough to, to to move up through the game you know so when you hear things like that and I was practicing a lot with Rod Law like Ian McCullough and Dave Harold just brilliant brilliant players who've just been around mm. for so long and, and played the game at such a great level and just the advice from them really I, I just stayed grounded and listened to them guys and I sort of felt like I was making progress even though the rankings weren't quite saying that mm. I'm, uh, China Open 2005 you got to the quarterfinals um, that's the, everyone remembers that event because Ding won it and of course yeah. sparked the, the boom but it was a significant week for you I seem to remember you played was that the time you played Steve Davis and you had to Pull out, he banged his head on the door. Was no, that, that was that was. <laughs> oh, I got that wrong. Oh, no, wait there. Yeah, it could have been that. Yeah, yeah it was that. Actually. He banged his head on the door it before the match that. got dizzy. Yeah, it was that. So that's, <laughs> that's the only way I was getting the quarters wrong. <laughs> well, no, just a strange thing to happen, wasn't it? But uh, but I suppose you know quarter final. That's that is the next kind of you know you're trying to always improve. Like you, you reach one then. That's significant. Yeah, that was a big moment for me. I remember playing Henry in that quarter finals, mm. and I got absolutely <laughs> annihilated. It was it was just another big lesson you know I remember just looking at it and thinking this guy is just on another planet to me and they're the kind of moments I think if you're humble enough and you're willing to work they're, they're big moments in your life you know when you can realise how far off the pace sure. you actually are and then go on and improve you know but I had some good wins that week as well I think it, it was either it was either Matthew Stevens or Ken Doherty that I beat in that game mm. maybe Maguire you know and they were, big, they were big games for me at the time you know I remember thinking give you a lot of confidence mm. but also like it's in Beijing so you're not just stuck in some qualifier you're actually now part of tournaments because that's also the case like when you turn pro there's a lot of qualifying to wait through it's not like the system now where everyone comes in the first round and you know you might be on the tour but to a lot of people if you're not in a tournament on TV you're not really a professional yeah that's it that's the way the game sort of um, is shown now really mm. it's sort of if you there's a lot of great players you, you don't see on the TV you know because the way the system is now and yeah that was a big time for me to sort of get get onto the main table and, and sort of experience that and uh, yeah the game's just as tough now you know it's, you've got you've got to scrap your way through and you've got players who I'm the older guy now sort of yeah. and, and you've got young guys who probably think I'm no good and they're trying to bully <laughs> me so it's it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a big cycle and stuff but it's mm. yeah that was that was a good that was a good experience over in China to sort of toughen me up I think mm. okay well you, you, obviously your big breakthrough in terms of winning a tournament was 2008 Shanghai Masters so I think it's worth Sort of just recapping who you actually beat in that tournament. You beat Stephen Hendry, Neil Robertson, Steve Davis, Mark Selby, and Ronnie O'Sullivan. And they're all like top 10 of all time players, really. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, you know, you'll look at tournaments and the draw will open up. It didn't open up for you, did it? No, I also, <laughs> had, um, I also played Anders Zang in a qualifier in that right. over there as a wild card, you know, and that was sort of, I remember going into that thinking it's a tough game. Yeah. Didn't know, didn't know Ander at the time. I won that match 5 0 and just sort of got a bit of table time really so then the Hendry game come along and I was I was fancying getting the results to be honest but it was obviously it was a tough game 4-3 down made a couple of breaks and, and yeah it just went from them really the confidence sort of I find like I just get surges of confidence sometimes in it and it, it can really kick me free you know and them kind of games when you're coming from behind I, I seem to remember just coming from behind in pretty much every game and that I was 2-0 down to Davis 4-1 down to Selves one down to Robertson that was a monster game really because I was never in that um, and just got some momentum really and, and, and yeah I sort of I'll be honest from the semi-final I, I didn't really speak to anyone apart from, from my dad at the time but I fancy winning that tournament from the semis you know and um, I'm sure no one else did because the prices were big on, on, the, on what it was you know I was a big rank outsider but yeah 
the big thing for me is settling into a tournament and I felt settled at that with the mm. tables and, and comfortable with what I was doing so, mm. so yeah it was, a good, it was a good break for a week for me really mm. It's interesting because like, you're playing Ronnie in the final now that's obviously he's been there and done everything already you're a big underdog but I think it says a lot that you actually felt no I, I'm going to win this you know you didn't go into it like a rabbit in the headlights Yeah no it didn't feel like an occasion to me mm. really it didn't it felt like a good experience but it, it wasn't one that I was going I'm just going to enjoy you know, I, I hear a lot of people sort of say that uh, it, it, that wasn't the way that it was for me really I, I went out there thinking thinking that I could be, be the champion of that tournament so I was going to give him my best shot and, and it sort of went it, it sort of went that way and, and I think even the way that I won the tournament you know it's um, I got ahead of myself to, to win the match 10-7 I think I missed, I missed the most simple red you've ever seen um, and I was thinking about back home mum and dad and stuff and the pressure I, I did feel the pressure of that but then I know to send you in the next frame you know mm. it was always for me it was always going to happen I know that's easy to say now yeah. because it was a, a long tournament and playing some great players but, but yeah it did feel like it was going to happen that week and what did it feel like to, to win a tournament because you know you already said you're the boy who got sent out of class mm. standing in the corridor because you said you're going to be a snooker player now you've, you've proven yourself you've won a tournament what, 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 what were your thoughts sort of immediately after that or did it take a bit of time to only sink in yeah more so for the family really yeah. it was just more about like the sacrifices that my mum and dad made it's just unbelievable like like I'm sure all the guys have, have, have had that kind of stuff you know it's tough but but yeah just I just couldn't stop thinking of my mum and dad back home and just how proud they would be of it you know because they probably want it more than me sometimes yeah so um, but yeah it felt it felt normal it didn't feel like a crazy thing it uh, I just went out and had a few beers enjoyed the night and just sort of spoke to everyone back home really it felt it felt pretty pretty normal pretty right really. mm. and then uh, things sort of picked up a pace for you played at the Crucible first time at the end of that season what was that that's like a rite of passage isn't it for a player to get there you must have been relieved to yeah, finally play there I've had a strange career with that yeah. side of things to be honest because I was I always seemed to run into some tough games in that last qualifying mm. you know, I played yeah. Selbs there I played Mark Allen there um, I remember playing Anders and he just played yeah. crazy stuff. Played brilliant, you know. And I remember the last two frames. I think he made two centuries. Yeah, he, did. he, played, he yeah. played good. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't at my best, but yeah. he, he did play some good stuff, yeah. you know. So for um, yeah, when I was going out for a few beers for for, for <laughs> around that time with my pals, they, they were calling me the best player never to play the crucible. <laughs> so it was it was painful, you yeah. know. It was um, it was, it was a painful time because I wanted to get there and I beat Anthony Hamilton ten five to get through to the first the first time. Played selves there. Mm. And yeah, it was a good experience, you know. I'm glad. I was really glad to get that out of the way because it, it was starting to stress me out a little. Yeah. Okay, and then we fast forward a little bit to you then won the next ranking title, Wushy Classic, 2012. I suppose you've won your first, and there's an expectation, maybe from yourself as much as anyone else. Well, we've got to, you know, he's won one, he's beat Ronnie in the final, he's going to be a regular winner. But it's not that easy at all, is it? You know, these are tougher events to win. No, it's a little bit the same as when, like what you said about the junior level, when you come through and you expect. You sort of do expect to feel something that's just going to make you invincible, but it, mm. maybe it happens to other guys, but it didn't happen <laughs> to me. It just made me, I felt under more pressure of anything. So mm. it took me a while and stuff and regrouped and just and, and tried again. Mm. Um, I'd actually made a technical change at the back end of the Worlds um, the season before, and I played Jamie Jones in qualifying. I was all over the place. I lost 10 to him, and I was just I was so embarrassed the way I played. But I'd been working on something, and it was in the match. It didn't work out for me, you know, the, what what was going on. So then I had the summer off, come back, didn't practice too much before that wushi, which is not like me. I'm normally bang on the table. And yeah, again, it just sort of, I didn't play great that week to be honest. I was just scrapping and digging things out, um, and then eventually I found I ended up in the final, and then uh, 
this year and just sort of scrapped it out in the final really so it was, it was pleasing to win the event a different way mm, OK at the end of that season um, you find yourself in the world semi-finals so you're suddenly on the one table uh, set up played um, Barry Hawkins um, and you were in front weren't you but but the thing is it's such a long match like being in front maybe is not that, not that significant because you've got like another two sessions to come yeah it's a strange thing obviously any, anybody will tell you who's played in that one table set up over that kind of distance it's really strange mm. to blame you know it's, it's one of the it's one of the most enjoyable snooker moments I've had really being in that yeah. environment playing some good stuff at times you know but yeah I felt that week I felt I felt like I could have won it that week. It really did feel good to me, you know. I felt like I was going to go and win it, and uh, I just had a bad session at the end, and I just sort of unravelled a little bit, you know, which which can happen. I sort of missed a few balls and stressing me out, and I kept missing a few more balls, you know, and I just sort of lost momentum. Barry started to hit the ball a little bit better, and yeah, I lost control, and it was yeah, it was devastating. It was a real tough one to lose, you know. It's sort of I think about that all the time that game, and you wish you could have just maybe. Just, just got a grip of it a little bit more, you know. But it's uh, it's they're tough to win them tournaments, you know. Mm. The endurance level you need to sort of be be tuned in and mm. concentrated and mm. technically right for that kind of distance is uh, hats off to any of the guys who who've took that tournament down, you know. Yeah, I mean it's so mentally demanding, and not only when you're in the arena, but there's also it's how I suppose it's how you spend your time between the sessions as well, because you've got to sort of stay relaxed, I suppose, but also focused on what you're doing and try, maybe try not to dwell too much on a, a frame that you've lost and it's, yeah. it's really hard isn't it yeah it's really tough and that, that final session because I threw away the lead really the way I, the way I missed the balls I'm not sure what what the score was but it was something like 12 all or 14 all that, that final session and I threw three I'd, I'd thrown three frames away and I remember I was sat with uh, sat with my wife and just I just couldn't speak you know I, I felt like I'd lost it already and if I could change one thing going back you know I just Scrap that. I'd be better at that now. You know, I'd be having a year's experience. I'd be, I'd be going in there all guns blazing. But I went out that last session, tired, a little bit shot through, a little bit angry, and it felt like, it felt like the damage was done, and I, I hated that feeling. Mm. Okay. Well, a happier feeling came following you, of course, international championship. Um, I guess that's your biggest win so far, certainly in terms of the first prize. Um, talk us to that one because that has sort of become a really big event hasn't it that, that, a new relative yeah. new event but a big event yeah it's it's a monster event really mm. it's a like you said there it was, it's the biggest one of my career so far and uh, it, it was great to win it was it, it was a strange <coughs> tournament again for me really because I was out in Hong Kong playing in a small event first mm. and I was struggling my game was all over the place I was changing my tips didn't know what was going on changed my tips a few times and I went there with a, with a new tip then not with much confidence under my belt not playing great and then scrapped out a win against David Morris in the first round and then just sort of got momentum really I, I, I sort of wrestled a bit of momentum and then by the back end of that week then I was playing probably as good as I've ever played really you know not probably at my best but as good as I played mm. consistently from, from the quarterfinals onwards mm. so yeah it was, a, it was a good week and I was pleased sort of to come through the way I did really mm. yeah and I think it's worth saying I mean obviously people listening to this are snooker fans so they know this but these are big tournaments I've heard people say about you you know he's won three ranking events in China yeah. as if somehow that's not quite the same as winning one in Britain these yeah. are massive tournaments yeah, I think uh, from my own like my mum and dad always mm. pick up on that kind of stuff you know they're, they're always <laughs> screaming at the TV yeah. and stuff and uh, yeah it's tough that you can't choose where you're going to win the event you know I've, I've been in the semi-finals of two UKs been in a final in India been in a final in England, been in another final in China. You know, it's it's tough. The, the, the standards that high, you can't choose where you're going to play. You know, 
and if, if Ronnie was to win a tournament in China and nothing gets mentioned you know, mm. Ronnie wins it because he's the best around mm. and if John Higgins wins a tournament in China well yeah, it's John Higgins you know. So, but if I win one it seems to be like well yeah can't win in the UK so it's, it's difficult it's but difficult. What, what, what sort of almost on your behalf annoys me is you hear people say he's won them in China ok well let's hear what they are they've, they've got names these tournaments yeah you know? exactly and like I've already said that first one you beat like five Hall of Famers yeah, to win it you exactly know? you know and, and I, I, the thing that I'm proud of is if I look back and Let's just take the finals anyway. Now I played O'Sullivan in the final. I played Mark Allen in the final. And Stuart Bingham, you know, then like the tough, tough sure. games, you know, to play in finals, and they're as good as there is around, you know. Mm. So, so yeah, I've got no problem with it. I'm, I'm comfortable with what I've done mm. so far. Obviously, you'd like more. You'd like to be more consistent and all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, big events. And if I, if I, all I ever do is win in China and win more mm. events, I'd be. I'd be more than happy with that, you know, it's a big part of our game now. Absolutely. Well, some, somewhere amongst all this, you found time to run the New York Marathon, which, I mean, what was all that about? That was kind of out of left field a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just uh, <laughs> my friend sort of, uh, my friend's a bit nuts, and he was he just said, oh, I might I might go and do the marathon. Mm. And I said, oh, what are you doing that for? He said, I don't know, just to, just to freshen up, stay off a drink for a little while, and we'll see how we go. So I said, well, you can have a drink after it. And he said, yeah, probably, <laughs> we'll go for a few beers. So I said, right, I'll do it if we can go Vegas afterwards. So, um, yeah. So yeah, it was just something I wanted to challenge with really. I wanted to, to drop a few pounds and I was always running anyway, 5Ks and stuff. And I just thought, you know what? It might be a nice distraction. It's a healthy distraction to sort of run and run alongside with my snooker and stuff. And what was the actual experience of doing it like? I mean, did you get sort of a few miles in and think, what am I doing? Yeah, it was good. I, I trained properly, to be yeah. honest, even though I wasn't physically like super sharp. I trained, I trained properly. So I'd done a few 20 mile runs beforehand. And in my mind, my goal was just to run it, no stopping, you know, as long as I don't walk it, then, then, then I'm fine. So, yeah, I just signed myself up, and then I hit the wall at about 17 mile, and just thought, like, I felt like crying, it was, it was pain, you know, it was tough, but, um, but yeah, I come through it, and uh, it was just to test myself mentally, really, it's probably, I'd have to say it's the hardest thing I've ever done, even, because yeah. the snooker is what you always do, this, you can win a tournament, because yeah. you've, that's what you've always done, but, yeah, running that was the hardest thing I've yeah. ever done. I'm, I'm hoping because you also got married in New York. I'm hoping that was a, a more pleasurable experience. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. Yeah, we just had a nice ceremony just yeah. at the city hall, just a little, mm. just a little in and out job, really, and a few beers and a nice steak. Really, it was just quite casual. Mm. What, what we wanted, we didn't really want a big fuss yeah. and stuff. And so, yeah, New York's important to us. You know, we always go out there when we can, and yeah. we enjoy being out there, the hustle and bustle. And it's, uh, yeah, it's nice. Both, both two different experiences. Yeah. Uh, another person, probably my wife, has been important to you, of course, is Lee, Lee Gorton, who is your manager, and, and uh, sort of also someone who you can talk to during tournaments and, I guess, sort of almost sort of keep you sane a little bit. Yeah, without doubt, we've been friends a long time now, and he's, he's helped my career no end. He's, he's helped me win all them events. Mm. Um, he knows the game as well. Like, he knows more about the game now than he ever did because, he's, because of the time he spent with us, you know, we talk about a lot of stuff. And good guy, good to, good to help me out with my game. And good to go for a beer with when, when, when the time's right as well, you know. And we've sort of uh, been inseparable on the tour already for all this time, and it's it's uh, it's good along way to continue. Because the thing is, you know, it, it's striking the balance, isn't it? It's quite a lonely sport, it's an individual sport, but you don't want a massive entourage with you because then you've got to think about what they're doing, and maybe they'll try and drag you out for drinks or whatever. It's good to have someone in your corner, though. Yeah, without a doubt, you, you just need to be sticking to sort of basic plan really you know and that's what we sort of do we sort of like we'll, we'll come to a tournament and give it everything that we can and then if, if you're out of the tournament you're not flying for a couple of days then we'll go and have a blast you know and so it's good it's uh, it's important for people to have that around them on the tour I think like you say because 
it can be pretty boring though, long flights, hotel rooms are boring, you know, and you can get sucked into the wrong things as well, going out for a beer too much before games and stuff like that, so, so yeah, it's important to have somebody who you trust around you. I think. You've never been involved in controversy, that's not your thing, but there was one World Championship where you played Rory McLeod and it was a very kind of drawn out match and you famously said it was, uh, it was like a visit to the dentist. Um, yeah. and that obviously was the World Championship that kind of got picked up a bit um, yeah. what are your thoughts on that now it's quite a while ago yeah it's sort of um, I didn't mean at the time I was frustrated and I was embarrassed of my own performance really more than anything and I still stand by what I say as in it was tough to, it was tough to be involved in you know and I think the straw that broke the camel's back was I think Rory was close to winning out and I looked up and there was three three old women <laughs> about four rows up and they were all asleep and I thought you know what I'm a part of this I'm a part of this game and I was trying to I was almost trying to play two games that day mm. and um, I felt like I was trying to entertain and win a snooker match mm. at Sheffield with a lot of pressure and it was just going horribly wrong for me you know and mm. I don't really listen I said what I said at the time because it felt it mm. felt like that's what it was but uh, I've got no problem with Rory you know it was it was just a tough match to be in and I was frustrated with my own performance more than anything in recent times you've had your health problems um, just talk us through what exactly they've been and also sort of what, what, how it is now yeah just got a problem with the lower back really you've got like a disc, disc bulge and uh, it goes into a little bit of sciatica and stuff like that really so it's, it can be pretty painful um, I'm sort of managing it okay at the moment I've had a couple of injections in there steroid injections to numb the pain but it can flare up at any time you know if I'm not careful I've got to be careful with what I'm doing no more running no more lifting that kind of stuff and just trying to manage it best I can really it's been good the last few months picking up I've been putting more hours in on the table and I can feel my game slowly coming to somewhere near still miles off where I want to be but coming to somewhere near and yeah I've just got to stick with it really I'm just thankful that I can play again to be honest because it was feeling like I wasn't going to be playing snooker too much so so I've just got to manage it and not get frustrated and and see where it goes and do you think the the problems you've had are actually related to playing snooker or the practice and all that yeah, it's a hundred percent snooker. You know, I speak to the specialists and they just say wear and tear of the body. Mm. Um, they were actually looking at scans of my back and where it's worn away and where I've got the, the bulge. They said, if you weren't sat in front of me now, you, you think you were a fifty-year-old guy. You know, it's, it's took that much wear and tear. And they said, the way you're hinge lifting and, and down for a shot mm. is, is going to impact the body kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah, I think. That as well as running marathons when you know where near fit enough to run a marathon <laughs> at 15 stone um, doesn't help. But um, but listen, I can't really change it now. It's sort of it's been my life, so mm. hopefully I can keep keep monitoring it and keep yeah. managing it really. But it has affected your form, hasn't it? Because you, you know you, you slipped out the top 16. It must be connected to the problems you've had. Yeah, it's been difficult to be honest. Like I wasn't in great form before the injury. Like I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't playing some great stuff. However, I always felt like I could go on a run and do something where. Yeah. As soon as that injury hits, it's impossible for me to win it. Win frames at first, you know, I couldn't win a frame in qualifying because I couldn't get down on the shot properly. So, yeah, it's a hundred percent related to to me dipping out of the sixteen and, and not really getting any momentum from anywhere, you know. So, the fact that I'm just pleased the way that I fought back to actually compete again, you know, that's how that's how bad it was. So, I feel as though I can, even though I'm not playing at my best right now, I can I can sort of stick in games and, and, and play the odd decent frames. So. Mm. I'm just pleased to be back competing again. Mm. And how do you sort of see the future? I mean, you're still a, a young man, and, and players are winning, seem to be winning tournaments older and older now. But um, you've had this health concern. So how do you sort of? What is your sort of immediate 
I guess, ambition? Is it to, to rise back at the rankings, is it to win another tournament, or just keep playing? I think, yeah, I think tournaments will, will always, I think there will always be an opportunity for me, for me to win a tournament. It's whichever I take it, you know, it's the kind of player that I am. As long as I'm putting the work in, I'm, I'm physically, I'm okay. I'll, there'll always be a run in there for me, I just know there will be, because that's the way my game is. Mm. I'd like to be more consistent. I'd like to be technically a little bit better, but that's not my game, you know. And I've beat everyone in the game, but I've also lost to everyone <laughs> in the game, and I sort of know that, and it's it's quite frustrating. But the positive side of that is, there's no question that I can take a tournament down when I'm right, mm. and, and that's okay with me. I'm I'm okay with that. So mm. I suppose for me, it's just about getting myself in position for another big event, really. Mm. Whether that's in China or <laughs> the world or yeah. whatever, you know, I do feel as though. I do feel as others more in there. Mm. You seem to though. You seem to be someone who, who like, a bit like Sean Murphy or Mark Selby. You really like snooker. You're not sort of tortured by it. You speak, I speak to some players, and they're very much a love-hate relationship. Seems with you, it's much more love than hate. Yeah, I think when I was a little bit younger, I, I always used to say that I hated it, but it was just because I was young and I didn't mm. know what I was saying really, and I was just frustrated that I wasn't winning it, winning more. Yeah. But yeah, listen, the games give me absolutely everything. All my life, it's, it's been given to me through snooker. My wife, where I've been. The house that I live in, everything has come from the game, you know. And so yeah, I love it. It's, 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 I just, I just want to keep playing as much as I can, and hopefully, it can give me some more. Okay, good to hear that, Ricky. Thanks a lot for your company. Good Thanks talking very to you. Much, Dave. Thank Cheers. You. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.